A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Spark London. We tell true stories. We tell them live. And we tell them all across London. This story was performed by Joanna Yates. In April 2013. Where the theme was struggles. (laughs) Um, As with many families, we have certain family traditions in my house. And one of them is something my mum started and strongly upholds, which is discussing certain characteristics that I might have inherited and then trying to track which part of the family tree that they've come from. One of her favourites is about my hair. She'll be like, well, the red hair. And then she'll look at me and she'll go, that came from my side of the family. And, <laughs> and she talks about my granny and the sisters and the red hair. Never mind the fact that my mum has black hair and not red hair at all. And my da- <laughs> So does my dad actually have darker hair. But the other thing that comes up quite often is she says, but you're bad spelling, Joanna. That comes from your dad's side of the family. <laughs> and at that point, my dad looks up from the newspaper, smiles and nods, and then he looks back down again. And I remember being about seven, and my mum had been going on and on since Christmas, and it was now at least February, about me writing my thank you letters. And she'd be like, Joanna, have you written thank you letters? And I'd say, no, not yet, mum, but I will, I'll do it later. And she'd be like, okay. And eventually she cornered me with the notelets and the pen. And I'm on the kitchen table and the pen's in my hand and the notes are in front of me. And I'm thinking of all the things that people have given me for Christmas. And I'm planning on what I'm going to write. And I just can't spell the words that I need in order to say thank you. And one of the (laughs) the most tricky things is I can't spell the word auntie. And almost all the presents came from an auntie. So that was quite a serious problem. And I also remember um, being at home in the bunk beds and we were reading. So I was with my friend Henrietta, there, and uh, Henrietta was on the top bunk and I was on the bottom bunk and we both had a book. And um, every now and again I'd hear Russell, Russell and the page would turn, silence. And Russell, Russell, page return, silence. And this happened fairly often. And this was the pace at which Henrietta Bookwell read her book. Meanwhile, I'm at the bottom bunk and I'm looking at my book and I'm halfway down the first paragraph and it's hard and I've lost interest. <laughs> and so I just listen to what she's doing and I just turn the pages <laughs> slightly quicker than what she was telling them. <laughs> Which I remember at the time thinking, I'm not doing this for my benefit, that's for sure. And I can't imagine that Henrietta was listening to what I was doing, so it was just a big fuss. And things weren't going a whole lot better at school either. I did an English comprehension, and it was a 1A4 page, um, all about something called a yatich. 
And I remember reading it over and over again. And there were references to other things in there. And I read it and read it. And it only transpired a, a week later when I got the results that a Yatich is, is a yacht, apparently. And, <laughs> and despite the fact that I'd read it and there were references to the water and sails and all sorts of things, I, didn't, I did, still didn't get it. I was so concerned with the fact that I couldn't read this word. And the other thing that happened was I was learning to speak uh, Latin and Greek at the time. It would be helpful. And the, and the, and the Greek class, I, um, we had an exam. I remember in the exam struggling. It, didn't, it wasn't coming easily. And I wrote a few things, but I didn't write very much. And when it came to the results, um, the teacher, who was a very discerning-looking guy with a big beard and always had a very teachery kind of jacket on, pads on the shoulders, um, he gave everyone the results. And he gave me um, my paper kind of midway through, and I actually got nothing right, not even one thing right on the whole paper. And I remember the, boy in the, the boys in the class who were usually kind of taking the piss out of the girls in particular and just saying things, even they looked slightly embarrassed to say <laughs> And the look on the teacher's face was one of, oh, my God, this kid's going to make me look bad. <laughs> Get her away from me. So I was... Um, Two things happened at that time. One was that the headmaster changed from um, this older guy to a slightly younger guy who turned out had problems with spelling as well. And so he quickly identified me as being someone who had dyslexia, or at least he guessed. So I went off to a psychologist and I had a report and I had to do sort of tests and put puzzles together and try and spell words. And they told me that I was dyslexic and that despite the fact that at this time I was about nine in actual years, my spelling age was about seven and my reading age was about eight or six or something and it was really low I had all these other ages other than my actual age what he suggested that I did was to have some extra support so what happened was I got out of the Greek class which was like yes results and I think they stopped teaching me Latin and Latin at the time as well and I had to go to the English room during everyone else's um, Greek class knock on the door and organised with the teacher who was teaching a slightly younger class at the time to get some extra English out of the cupboard that was in the corner of the room. So I remember standing outside her door, and it was a glass door, and I'm looking in, and I can see the backs of 15 kids' heads, and they're all younger than me. And there's Mrs North at the front of the class, and she's, like, gesticulating, and she had this really dark hair. And then there's a cupboard quite low to the ground, and that was where the extra English that I was going to get was contained. And I had my hand like that, and I just could not knock on the door because I was so embarrassed to knock on the door. <laughs> and all these little kids' heads would turn round and look at And I'd have to walk in there and go, I'm the one that can't do English, and I need to get to that cupboard. So I just didn't do it. <laughs> so I turned around, and I left. And for about a week, nobody noticed. <laughs> and then they did. And they told me that I was lazy and wasn't taking the whole thing seriously and that, um, that I should take it all much more seriously and that this wasn't going to go away. Then something else happened which was good was a new English teacher turned up and she was a specialist teacher for people like me who <laughs> weren't learning very quickly. And I remember her room, kind of in a corridor effectively, they'd like cordoned off a corner of the corridor it was next to the Bibles, I remember that. And there was, a little, <laughs> there was a little window out onto the back of the forest and she was in there. And the weird thing is, I've really tried to remember her name and I can't remember her name. This woman was amazing. She sat me down and she was like, OK, let's start with the words that you need. 
So words like because, she literally taught me to write the word because and she showed me how to write pictures to remind me of how it would be spelt. Then she did there and there, where and where, and here and here. And she showed me that here with your ear has the word ear written in it. And all of a sudden, school that felt like a really good idea for other people <laughs> started to feel like something that, that I could actually do. And... And it was really, and I really started to enjoy it. And she said to me one day, she goes, do you know what? I know it's not been easy for you, she said, but if you wanted to, you could probably go to university. And I seriously thought to myself, hmm, that sounds good. But I, I wasn't actually quite sure what university was at the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite unbelievable that I didn't know, but I seriously didn't really know. But, and then she said to me um, a little while after that, she said, um, if you did go to university, what would you study? And I said, well, um, psychology, probably. Um, she said, right, let's teach you how to spell psychology then. And we literally sat down and she taught me how to spell the word psychology and used images and phonetics in order to make it memorable. And that was what I studied. And after I finished university, having studied psychology and then occupational psychology, I should stay four years in the end, I got a job. And I got a job in a not through the normal application in interview tests where I kind of knocked on the door and asked people at this particular company which I thought looked interesting if they had any jobs so I got in I got in literally through the back door nobody got me to write anything down <laughs> nobody got me to do any writing or spelling and the job this is really ironic that I was doing was effectively writing scripts for a training consultancy four or five thousand word um, scripts for other people to, <laughs> to run training sessions, which I designed all based on psychology. Uh, so the first one I produced, I kind of um, showed it to them, and they were really keen. They were like, it's great, you think really laterally, we really like your creativity. Um, and so they, they look at it, all these words I've produced, and I remember at that point, by this point, I mean, I can spell, but it's still there's a little bit dodgy. They look at it like, hmm, it's <laughs> a little bit of a problem here. So um, there was a girl in the office called Rachel who was that weird spelling bee type kid from school, only she was a lot bigger by this point, and she was meticulous. She was like every T was crossed and every I, and she was so exacting. And she put me through her equivalent of spelling boot camp, <laughs> which involved cross-referencing, reading things backwards, literally, like, she... What happened was, over the years of being dyslexic, everyone had said, well, you're just dyslexic, it doesn't matter, like, don't worry about it, just get on with it. Um, so I'd become a bit lazy, and she gave me the discipline again to realise that actually I need to put the effort in if I'm going to get things right, and it's not a case of having extra time in exams when you're at work, it's like you either spell it right, or maybe that's not the right job for you. So it was great what she taught me and then something else happened which was the boss of the company wanted us all to do um, one on one um, about two hours with a writing coach because he wanted us to have a consistent voice so that we all sounded like we were coming from the same place and this woman turned up called Mandy and she had um, all these creative writing exercises. She had postcards and she'd say, tell me the story of what's happening in the postcard. And you'd make it up and you'd write it down. And we'd do, um, she'd give us prompts on email and we'd have to automatically write. So not thinking, just pouring out whatever you could. She, what her point of view was, was more important to be creative with the way you write than it is to get it exact. And then you can do the exacting bit later. And then later that year, 2007, I went to um, Los Angeles and I was in uh, Santa Monica in a theatre pretty similar to this. I remember the walls were painted black and the stage was all painted black. The rows were like this and I was sitting about four rows back from the front and I had a piece of paper on my lap and it had people's names on it and it had a theme. And one by one from a little black doorway, they walked onto the stage and they either sat on a stool or they sat on a, on a chair 
and they told a true story from their own life. And I went from sitting back and thinking, what is this? Where am I? To sitting at the front of my um, chair and being hooked on every word they said. This is 2007. I can remember nearly every story that I heard that night. And as I left, I immediately thought, we've got to have this in London. And I guess one of the reasons that um, Spark came about, really, is probably to do with some of the times that I sat there agonising over my, my thank you letters, trying to get the words out to eventually get to a place where I could really enjoy words and enjoy people sharing their stories. And that is my story. Thank you very much. <laughs> For more stories, head to sparklondon.com. Spark London is produced by Joanna Yates. With audio production by Matt Hill. At rethinkdaily.co.uk. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.